Swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Bream. Here's the throw to the plate. He is safe. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Swing high fly ball. Belt to right center. And the Braves have won it. The 3-1. And Acuna swings. It's a high drive to left center field. Taylor back at the wall. It is gone. A grand slam for Acuna. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Swan. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes. 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 The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Welcome to ATL. All the lumber. An Atlanta Braves and Brett Loftus podcast. Hosted by Brett Loftus. Welcome to the second episode here of the new All the Lumber, the ATL, a Brett Loftus and Atlanta Braves podcast here. Second episode, we got a very special guest, my radio mentor, my professor at Piedmont, now University, Dr. Dale Van Camford. He is an associate professor. He got a PhD from the Grady College of Journalism from UGA as an MBA from Georgia College and State University. He got his undergrad at Stetson University, where he graduated cum laude. And he is a professional. Uh, he, he owned and operated a radio station for how long, BBC, across two different states, Georgia and South Carolina? How many years? 25 years, but who's counting? <laughs> who's counting? Uh, he was the for- former president of GAB, which I did not know when I was reading about you. I didn't know the Georgia Association for Broadcasters. Um, like I said, our faculty advisor for the radio station, and he's also the Piedmont College liaison, now university, to the Georgia Public Broadcasting. He's also the reason, big reason that I'm down here this summer, as you guys know, uh, down here in Brunswick doing this internship, able to meet Sanders Hickey, uh, who owns the radio station that I'm working at, or radio stations, rather, should I say, good friend of DVC. So thankful DVC to come on the broadcast or come on the podcast. And as he stated, was in radio for 25 years, but you've been a Braves fan for how long, DVC? So I saw my first Braves game live in person in 1969, but I was rooting for them back in the early 60s when they were still in Milwaukee. So you... It's been a few years. Yeah, 1969, that was the first year they went to the playoffs when they were in Atlanta. Uh, My family moved to Atlanta in 69. That's when I got first see them play at the old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. I was a senior in high school that I was a senior in high school that year, and my dad let me skip school to attend the first ever National League Championship Series playoff game between the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets. Unfortunately, that didn't go so well for the Braves, but I will tell you this. It was the best three out of five. Mm-hmm. They lost the first three, two at home, one in New York. Henry Aaron hit a home run. In the first game, put them up four to three in the seventh. Then they had two throwing errors in the eighth inning that gave five unearned runs to the Mets. And that was just about it. But Hank had two more home runs in the second ball game, and they still lost that one too as the bullpen blew a lead. And then they lost up in New York to the uh, amazing Mets. But yeah, I, yeah, I skipped school my year to go see that first game. <laughs> that was the year of the Miracle Mets. 
So you got to see them play in person then. That's that's pretty cool. That was a very good ball club. And how they turned it around is very similar how the Braves turned around from 90 to 91 when you had the worst the first match up there between the Twins and the Braves and Jack Morris's incredible game seven and then heartbreak again in 92 and then DVC you around forward in 95. Now that's what I want to ask you about. So before we get into anything, you obviously you've been around, you saw 69, you saw 82, you saw the Murph, you saw Bob Horner, you saw Rafael Ramirez, Phil Necro, and then you see this flutter of youth come up in the early 90s. And then, you know, not able to win, not able to win, not able to win. You get to 95. Third World Series appearance in the 90s. They've won now four straight division titles. Game six, coming back to Atlanta after they lost game five. What are you thinking as a Braves fan? What am I thinking as a Braves fan? I really hope it goes to a game seven. The reason I wanted to go to a game seven, I owned the radio station in Milledgeville at that time. And we had season tickets that we, a lot of our, Best clients use the tickets a lot. And I had given the game six tickets to one of my very best clients. But I kept the game seven tickets so Tara and I could go see the game if I went to a game seven. And, yeah, one of my best clients got to sit right up on the third baseline and watch them win that game one nothing when Justice hit the home run. Uh, but so I wasn't there for that in person. Uh, but I would have been there if there was a game seven. But probably the most memorable game was uh, the slide, slid, slide. And that wasn't even a World Series game. That was a playoff mm-hmm. game against the uh, Pirates. Uh, but I was there for that one. I almost fell out of the stands with one of my best friends at the time uh, as we saw Sid come around third and score. Well, that was the incredible Pirates team, too. 91-92 beat them two straight years in the NLCS. It was some great times to be a Braves fan. I wanted to ask you about 95. As you know, I talk about my dad all the time, both on, on air and off air whether it be radio, podcast, television, whatever. I ask my dad about that all the time, about 95. And, uh, you know, he grew up, you know, with the times in the 80s, made the playoffs once in his lifetime before he got to high school. And he grew up, you know, big Bob Horner fans. I talked last episode. And then you got these guys coming along and able to see the influx of youth. And something similar to what happened when I was in high school a few years ago, and that influx of youth is still chasing a World Series championship now, so to jump right into this topic of this episode, or this episode's topics, rather, should I say, we, we hadn't had a real good week off the field. Uh, one of my favorite players uh, before all this happened, Marcelo Zuna, if you guys didn't catch it in the news, uh, got a domestic battery charge, was caught by the police, um, not treating his wife too well. We're not going to get into all the details of all that. You guys can go pull that up and read about that. But what I do want to talk about is, is how do you replace Marcel? Because more than likely, he's not going to be in a Braves uniform, probably maybe not even ever play Major League Baseball ever again after that. So how do you replace Marcel? Well, right now in left field, Abraham Almonte, a veteran outfielder, he's played with a lot of different franchises. We had him in Gwinnett, caught him up. He's in the start nine right now. But DVC, what I want to ask you is, is who is the long-term replacement? Because Ozuna was signed for the next four years. So how do you replace him now? Who's his long-term replacement? This is going to get really sticky. The best, the best scenario I can see for the Braves is they're going to be able to walk away from that contract. If MLB suspends him and puts him on the restricted list, my understanding of the way his contract is worded, the Braves can void the contract. And if they can do that, then it opens up salary cap space for them to go and sign one of the upcoming free agents or even trade for them here in the latter half of this season, knowing that they're going to be a free agent the next 
uh, year, that team may very well be willing to trade uh, somebody like one of the Cubs players that has been mentioned a couple of times. But uh, I don't see Ozuna back in a Braves uniform ever again. No, I don't either. And I don't think he should be. That kind of behavior is inexcusable and it should not be tolerated at all. Um, I, I agree with you 100%. Who I think should be his replacement, you're talking about trading. I think if you're going to make a trade in half, the outfielder for the Cubs, he started out struggled a lot this year. I think with his trade value being so low right now, you can make a trade for him. But a guy that I've followed coming up through the minors, he's in AAA right now. He's kind of been struggling over these past few weeks. He's been Drew Waters. But uh, he's a switch hitter. Him and Pache have been the guys that have kind of come up together through throughout the minor leagues. Uh, through 79 at-bats this year, he's hitting two fifty three. He's only got three homers, six stolen bases. However, throughout his minor league career, he's batting two ninety five, And he's 22 years old, drafted right out of high school, switch hitter, like I said. I think it'd be a perfect time because he's kind of in that prospect, prospect slump that Ronald Acuna started to go through a couple years back when the Braves didn't call him up. And I think if you brought Drew up to Atlanta right now, that would do a lot for his career. It would really help elevate his play and probably bring uh, some excitement to the yard. Because no offense to Abraham Almonte, he's a good role player and been a good bench guy in a lot of franchises. But to see him as a long-term solution, especially to a team that can win the World Series this year at DVC, I just don't see that being an answer out there in left field. Now, particularly with the loss of our catcher, too, we have nobody on the backside of Freddie right now. Even if we bring up Waters, they're not going to respect him. They're going to pitch around Freddie. And Freddie's already started the season slowly. Now he's going to press even more. He's not going to get any good pitches to see until we put somebody behind him. So I think, I think the front office has to be really aggressive, quickly get this contract voided for Azuna, and then go out and get somebody who we can put in that slot behind because as much as I love Ozzy, Ozzy is not your cleanup hitter long-term. You, you've got to have somebody out there in left field that you can count on for 25, 30 home runs and, and who you have to pitch to. Uh, so if you have to pitch to them, it means Freddie has more protection. And Freddie does definitely need that. I mean, he's only hitting 235 now. He started out the first month of the season barely hitting over the Mendoza line. And now he's hitting 235. He still needs that protection. Talking about a guy that hit 341 last year and uh, was second in the National League in batting average. He, he's not a 235 hitter, never has been, never will be on his last limb a 235 hitter. So I agree 100% there. Got to avoid that contract, talking about a lot of stuff. Maybe not voidable, but if he's put on a suspension list, it will be voidable, like TVC said. So hopefully the Braves can get that done quickly and very soon. So up next in our topic of conversation here. Speaking of Freddie Freeman, he did win the 2020 National League MVP award. And who might win the MVP award, that end being for Ronald Acuna Jr., is just that. The man is tied, a four-way tie right now in the National League with home runs as he has 16 homers this season. He's batting 283 with 49 hits and almost has a two-war. He's got a 1.7 war thus far. If it were not for Ronald Acuna Jr. this season, DVC, I don't know where the Braves would be in. That is for sure. And I was hoping he can keep it going that way. Uh, he he is a phenomenal athlete, his full potential yet. Uh, he, he still has room to improve. Uh, and and he's shown it this year. There's a lot of pitches this year that he's laid off of than years past. He struck out on, particularly that 
breaking the ball down and away. He's been able to lay off of it. He got a really bad call in last night's ball game. And the bases loaded in a 3-2 count. And it was a pitch that when they showed it again on replay, it was a good three, four inches off the plate. And the pump called it a strike. Uh, Ronald laid off of it because there wasn't any way he was going to hit it anyway. I just got a bad call there on that play. That's something I really want to ask you about is I've found that to be kind of commonplace this year. You you grew up and, and you were growing up watching Hank. You were growing up watching the Murph. You grew up watching the power hitters, the Braves of the 90s with the Justices, with your Chipper Jones. We both watched Freddie. Now we got Ronald coming along. This is about the worst I've seen consistently a Braves hitter be treated at the plate. If you look at these new strike zone spray charts, I mean, Ronald is getting struck out on pitches that are nowhere near the zone. Do you think umpires have it out for him, or what do you think that situation may be? That's, that's a good question. A part of it, is, I think, is, is right now, as far as I'm concerned, we have one of the poorest crews of umpires we've had in a long time. A lot of veteran umpires in the last few years have retired, and some of the young guys they brought up are highly inconsistent. That's all the major league player really wants is consistency. If you're going to be an inside up, meaning you're going to give the inside quarter to the, to the pitcher, but not the outside, then I can adjust my my strike zone to that. But the problem with uh, Ronald's getting is one umpire is giving him the outside corner and the other umpire is giving him the inside corner. He doesn't know what's a strike and what's not a strike. And that's really tough to try to be a disciplined hitter and not know for sure what the strike zone is going to be called behind you. Yeah, Ronald, like I said, 16 homers batting 283. It's very impressive that he's not batting worse than he is. It's been incredible how poorly he's gotten treated at the plate this year. And like TVC said, he's laid off a lot of pitches, and he tried to eliminate a lot of holes in his swing that he had last season and in the previous two seasons. So will he win the MVP? That will time will only tell that. So who won't win the MVP or win any award, sadly, this year? has been the ace of the past for the Atlanta Braves, Mike Soroka. It was announced that he re-injured his Achilles this past week, and Brian Snicker came out and said that he'll miss the rest of the year. There were later some more reports that came out and said, whoa, 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 hold your horses. He might be back. Either way, he's going to miss a good portion and probably the rest of the season. So just the same as the Marcel situation, not quite as serious from a legal issue, how do you replace Mike Soroka? And I think that's a no-brainer. You got to make a trade. So then who's the next step is, who do you trade for? Well, DVC, I want to ask you about a guy. I know you follow baseball around the league. John Means with the Baltimore Orioles, 4-1 this year, a 2.05 ERA, and he threw one of the very few perfect, imperfect games of all time where he got 27 outs. He retired 27 straight guys. However, he threw a ball in the dirt, went to the backstop. The guy reached base, so it wasn't a perfect game. However, the very next pitch, he was thrown out at second. So I want to ask you, Braves put this situation on the table. John Means comes to Atlanta. What would the Braves have to give up for him, and what do you think you would feel comfortable as a Braves fan giving up for him? Most likely they're going to have to give up one of those two young outfielders you talked about, the Pache or Waters, to, to get a quality pitcher. Now, they can get a journeyman, you know, for just a couple of throwing guys. But they're going to have to give – give up our shelf isn't as stocked as it used to be we don't have a whole lot of talent down at triple a and nobody really does because nobody's for sure what the talent is because there wasn't any minor league baseball last year so all those players lost that development year so it's hard to make that call but i would imagine we'd have to give up one of those two uh minor league prospects uh 
in the Pasha waters to get a quality pitcher. And the fellow you picked out would be a, he would be very interesting. But the, the, if, if the Braves are committed to trying to win it this year, they have to get a pitcher, starting pitcher, and they have to get somebody to replace left field. They can't just go with journeymen out there, particularly with our catcher being out. But we've lost too much power out of the lineup uh, with Darno gone for the season too. That that we've got we've got to find some way to get a left fielder and, and one more starting pitcher if we truly want to be considered a true contender for the World Series. Well, roughly just under a third of the way done of the season, Braves have played uh, 51, about 52 games as we record this podcast. You kind of have to look at it and go, okay, they haven't played above 500 all year. They've gotten to 500 ball, but they haven't gotten to 500 all year. So even before the Marcel situation, even before Soroka was done for the year, they were still missing pieces. And I think that Alex Anthopoulos has done a good job of filling those holes with short-term guys like Al Monte, with short-term guys like Charlie Morton coming back on a one-year contract with out there in center field. Guillermo Heredia came in, made a great impact like I talked about last week. But I'm with you, DVC. You got to get guys out there. You got to make splashes. You got to trade your Kyle Wrights. You got to trade your Tuki Two Sons. You got to trade guys whose trade value is still high. But you can get something in return for them, and you're not really certain about them. So that'll be interesting to see. They got to make some moves there. So something we talked about last week here, Freddie Freeman. We just talked about him a few minutes ago. I know on E60, I'm sure you watched that a couple weeks ago. His wife talked about, you know, them getting a house out in Los Angeles. He's from Los Angeles. It's where he grew up with his mom and dad and his family at. What I was going to give every week an update, whether he leaves or not. DVC, we hadn't personally talked about this. Be the first time we talked about it. Do you think he'll leave this summer to head west or head head elsewhere in general? I think a lot depends on how this year goes and whether he feels that ownership is really committed to competing for a championship because that's what he wants now. And his family is out there; they like it out there. The Braves are going to have to offer him a really good deal to stay. I think right now it's a 50-50 toss-up in my my mind. Uh, He hasn't shut the door to it, but he is thinking about, hey, man, you know, I could uh, maybe go play with Mike Trout or I could join the money-rich Dodgers and win a couple of championships uh, and play in California. uh, So there's a lot of pull for him to go to California. I I hate to see it. I I love Freddie. And he's the face of the – of the team right now, uh, but the, the ownership's going to have to commit to really pay him big bucks if they're going to keep him here. I also think is a situation my dad and I were talking about it, and my dad made a really good point. He said it's kind of a situation if Freddie left, like when Chipper retired, because Freddie wasn't ready to be the captain of that team then, and now he is the captain of the team, been the captain of the team last five or six years. He's a leader on the team. If he leaves, you just alluded to it a few minutes ago, Ronald's not old enough, nor is he mature enough to be the leader or the captain on the team. So that leads to another question. If he does leave, who's your leader? Who's your captain of the ball club? You have to go out and, and, and get a replacement for him. Like you said, it's, it's too much to put on Ronald uh, too soon, I think, uh, for him. And he's really not that type of uh, personality. Uh, Ronald's much more emotional and 
wears it on his sleeve, so to speak. Uh, they'd have to really, that, you know, they'd have, they'd have a lot of money to go out and try to find somebody uh, on, on the market. But that's why I think if the organization really is committed to winning, they're going to offer him a deal that would keep him here. If they're not really committed to winning, then uh, by not signing, that tells the rest of the players as well as the fans that they're not really committed to trying to win. Well, we know Liberty Mutual. Uh, Liberty Mutual, they, they keep a lock in their pockets. They don't like to come off and spend too much money. And it's not an Alex Antopoulos problem. It's an ownership problem. Uh, when Ted Turner was the team owner, there was a lot of big splashes made, both in trades and in free agency. Brought great Greg Maddox to Atlanta, was able to retain Dale Murphy for all those years, was able to make trades to get guys like Kenny Lawson, was able to get Marcus Child, drafted Raphael for call. We might talk about him in a few minutes there, hint, hint. Ted Turner was able to make big splashes both in free agency and in the trade market, and Liberty Mutual is just not giving free reigns right now to do that. So with you, it's a 50-50 shot, and I'd be sad if he left, but I would still respect him if Freddie came back in another uniform to Truist Park, I'd give him a standing ovation in which he deserved uh, because that, that would be on the ownership and not on Freddie Freeman. So talking about going out west, the Dodgers, a rematch of the NLCS happening this weekend at Truist Park. Looking forward to the next matchup. And DVC will be there. DVC, you're celebrating a pretty big uh, milestone going this Sunday. What What is the occasion you're getting to go? Uh, it's it's my it's my birthday. I'm celebrating my uh, my nineteenth uh, my nineteenth edition of my fiftieth birthday. So uh, there you go, there you go. <laughs> the DVC, like we said, it's been around a long time. Been a big Braves fan for a long time, and he's going to get to see probably the best pitching match of all weekend due to the rainouts this past weekend. Don't know who's pitching Friday night for the Braves. If I had to assume, I'd probably say they're going to do. The Bryce Wilson thing again, probably call him up and have him pitch Friday night. Not decided yet. Julio Uris scheduled to go for the Dodgers on Saturday. Clayton Kershaw and Charlie Morton battle of the vets. Both of those guys made their major league debuts in 2008, fun fact, and they're going to get able to pitch against each other here in 2021. So then the game, DBC is going to be at the 120 afternoon marquee matchup there on Sunday is going to be between Trevor Bauer and Max Free. Battle of the Aces there right now for these two teams. And DVC, you could be potentially going to a rubber match there. The Dodgers started out on fire this year. They came out of the box swinging the bats. Justin Turner thought he might would be a brave. He started out on fire. We know the type of player Mookie is. And a lot of those guys, Cody Bellinger, started out on fire, even though they lost some guys. They got some guys back. And then they had a skid there where they lost six straight series. They've kind of been able to turn things back around now. But looking at that matchup on Sunday, I really want to key in on that one. It's going to be between Trevor Bauer and Max Freed. And this is the question here, DVC. Do you like Trevor Bauer? Straight, straight honest question. Do I like him as a pitcher? You better believe yeah. it. I like him as a pitcher. Uh, uh, you know, but when I take him uh, right now to, to replace Soroka for the rest of the year, you better believe it. I would uh, type of situation. But I really like to see Max, who's pitched well in his last couple of contests. I'd like to see him have his A game because that can that could be a really good pitcher's duel. It could end up uh, just one one hanging curveball somewhere along the way. Uh, somebody takes out of the park and it's a one nothing ball game. Uh, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. it should, I, I like 
I like hitting, yes, but I also like to see two good pitchers carving up good hitters uh, by pitching well and showing that it doesn't have to necessarily be a 100-mile-an-hour uh, fastball, but they can mix their pitches up and keep them off stride, uh, pitch to contact at times, and, and win ball games that way. Max, a bit more of a power pitcher than is Trevor Bauer, but both of those guys have disgusting stuff. Max Fried was his curveball, and Trevor Bauer has an arsenal of all speed. So, DVC going to get to see a great matchup there. Where are you sitting at on Sunday? Where where can we look at for you on TV? Uh, well, we don't have the, the best seats in the, in the house. Uh, when I got them, they had limited attendance. Uh, but we're going to be behind home plate, but up in the fourth uh, fourth deck. Uh, so, we're in the 400, but right behind home plate. So, I get to uh, see all the action out in front of me. So you might get to get a foul ball there if somebody hits a Some, – Somebody's got to pull on way up there, yeah. <laughs> Not a bad seat at Truist Park, though, if you guys haven't been able to go. Go ahead with the increase in vaccinations and kind of the COVID-19 spike going down. Truist Park is open back up to 100% capacity. So please go out to the yard. I've only been able to catch one game this year. That was the Alec Bomb game when they were still at 33%. But uh, it's always an electric atmosphere. Going to get to going to try to go when we go back to school in August, and hopefully the Braves will still be in contention. Where else would you rather be? A little quick segment here, and then DVC and I have a special segment here on this episode. Ronald Acuna Jr. would rather be nowhere else than playing the Nationals this season. He's hit four homers, six RBIs. He's hitting 370 with a 414 on base percentage and a 1.266 OPS. So as you ladies and gentlemen know, I did the Braves legend segment on the first episode and only focused on one player. So DVC had a great idea of doing an all-time Atlanta Braves starting nine. So we both jotted our, our lineups down, our defensive nine around before the game or before the podcast started, as this would be our game. So we're going to get to see how they match up against each other. DVC, I'll let you have the honor of telling yours first. All right. Well, I'm going to start with the battery first, and this is pretty easy for me. Uh, on the mound, with his multiple Cy Young awards, he was not an original Atlanta Brave, but most people still think of him as an Atlanta Brave. Uh, Mad Dog, I haven't seen a pitcher live in person with the control that this man had. He would turn around and move the second baseman two steps to the left, He'd pitch the pitch, and the ground ball would be hit right to the second baseman where he moved him. Uh, it was amazing, but Greg Maddox is going to be on the mound for me to start this illustrious contest. And catching him, there's, a, there's several choices we would have gone with, but the one who had the most success with a team, both hitting and fielding, was Javi Lopez. Javi was there for uh, the, the 90s, uh, great bat, great stick. And for a number of years, he was fairly good behind the plate as well. Uh, and he, mainly for his offense, you could go with McCann quite possibly. Uh, but a lot of the years McCann was playing good ball, it wasn't with the Braves, he was elsewhere. But Javi Lopez will catch Greg Maddox. Around the infield from third to first, well, who else are you going to put at third base? Huh? <laughs> and there's some other names you could throw out there, but it would be crazy to do that. It's got to be the Hall of Famer, Larry. Chipper Jones, uh, who uh, unselfish guy. Do you remember that he went out and played left field for a couple of years because they wanted to strengthen the offensive lineup? Uh, but no, he's our third baseman. 
the best switch hitter in baseball, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, uh, a great stick and above average fielder. And before he hurt his knee was one of the fastest Braves out there. Uh, folks forget that, uh, but he's with the third baseman. The toughest place I had to decide was at shortstop because we haven't had a really, really great shortstop uh, all the way around. We've had some that have been very good defensively, but weak offensively. We've had some that were strong offensively, but not really strong defensively. But I've settled on Raphael for call. Uh, Rafi uh, could steal a base for you, too. He had a rocket of an arm. He had great range there at shortstop. Yeah, he did play a number of years with the Dodgers, but his years with the Braves were his best years when you go back and look at his stats. So he's my shortstop. Now, the right side of the infield comes from current Braves. Again, second base. We've had a lot of different second basemen play there, and some made names in the postseason, but we didn't have a great second baseman over a long period of time in Atlanta Braves history. I feel the best all-around second baseman right now is the one that's playing second base for us right now, and that's Ozzie Albies. I think he's only going to get better. Uh, so I've gone with Ozzie as the second baseman. And then playing first base, you've got to go with the MVP, uh, Freddie. Uh, Freddie, uh, very, very solid defensively there. I don't know how many runs he saved his pitchers and infielders errors uh, by his play at first base. And then he's consistently shown at the plate. I hope he has another good four or five years with, with the Braves. Because if he does that, he'll be a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's on his way to that, but he needs another three or four good solid years to solidify that. So that's my infield. And then my outfield, I didn't go so much by position. I just picked who I thought were the three best outfielders. Uh, and I'm going to put one of them over in left field, and that's going to be Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy, you may not realize that he came up as a catcher, but he couldn't mm -hmm. throw the ball down to second base. He usually threw it to the outfield. Uh, and they moved him around. He played most of the time in the outfield and center, but he could play left as well, and he did play a few games there. Uh, but Dale, for his bat and for his uh, team leadership, uh, he's he's got to be on that lineup. And then my center fielder it has to be the other Jones boy, Andrew's got to be the center fielder. Uh, I know there's a, another young man we're going to talk about in a few minutes who didn't make my team only because he's so young. Uh, but uh, Jones has got to be out there in center field. Uh, got to remember that he had one season where he hit 50 home runs and he had 10, 10 very solid years with the Braves. Uh, and he is uh, my center fielder. And then right field has to be reserved for the greatest player of my generation. And that's uh, Hank Aaron, uh, the hammer and Hank. Uh, he had great stats in Milwaukee, but he had fantastic stats in Atlanta. As I said, in that 69 first National League Championship Series, three games, three home runs. He had five hits in the three games, all for extra bases. Two doubles, and three home runs. His team still lost all the games. That's why it's a team game. He didn't get enough support elsewhere. Uh, but Henry Aaron, so there it is. Those are my nine, and uh, I'll take those against anybody right now. I'd have to agree, DVC. I have the exact same lineup, uh, all nine, and, I mean, we'll go down, except behind the plate. I disagreed with you behind the plate, but the other eight, I agree 100%. Got to have Greg Maddox on the mound. That's my dad's favorite ball player of all time, but not because of that. The man had 355 career wins. You might as well. That's the most in the modern day error. Uh, he has an ERA under four for a career, 
and that's talking about his very worst at the beginning and the end. Looking there at the middle, he was able to sustain such a great prime that he was able to do that. Uh, they asked him, or they didn't ask him, but it was kind of an undertone that he was going to pitch longer to Roger Clemens, or at least as long enough to have more career wins than him. Roger Clemens finished with 354 career wins, Brad Maddox 355. Behind the plate, I had to go with Brian McCann for two different reasons here. For one, Brian McCann was my childhood, one of my childhood favorite players growing up. Made six straight all-star games in Atlanta. And like you said, DVC, you alluded to, went and signed a big contract with the Yankees. Went and won a World Series championship with the now Trastros when they're out there banging on the trash cans. But still had a lot of success elsewhere. Came back and played his farewell season in Atlanta. That was the first reason. The number two reason was of the simple fact that Javi Lopez never caught Greg Maddox, except for very, very few times throughout his stint in his, throughout his stint in Atlanta, because Greg Maddox hated him catching him. Greg Maddox always had a personal catcher, whether that be Eddie Perez, Charlie O'Brien, a lot of other guys that would come in, but he hated having Javi Lopez catch him because there was an incident happened. Javi caught a strikeout, was only the second out, rolled the ball back out to the mound, and went to go to the dugout. And, well, Greg Maddox didn't like that too much. So I had to put Brian McCann behind the plate. Didn't ever get to see those two guys play, catch with each other, but would love to see it both in their primes. Same exact infield, Freddie first, Isaac second, Raphael for call it short and chipper at third. That's pretty self-explanatory there. I didn't think that Ozzy had to do too much at second to really get that spot. And it just whatever he does from now on is just going to be whipped cream, cherry on top. Freddie over there at first. He had to actually do a little bit. Andre Scalaraga there in the late 90s had a lot going for him there and could have made an argument really before Freddie came on, made an all-star team, came back from the cancer spell that he had in 99 and came on strong there in 2000, the big cat. Over that third, Chipper, that's pretty easy. Even though Chipper did have a fellow MVP there in 91, Terry Pendleton, a lot of his career success came with the Cardinals, but got to put Chipper there and then for call as DVC, the reasons he mentioned there at shortstop left to right. We're going to go Murph and left, which I had that down before DVC even said his. Got to go the greatest defensive, defensive center fielder of all time, Andrew Jones. Uh, I, I don't, he's the greatest probably outfielder defense-wise of all time. You could put up some arguments for King Griffey Jr., Willie Mays, but I got to go with Andrew Jones there. And then Hammer and Hank over there in right field. I don't really think that's an argument either. I mean, he won gold gloves in Atlanta. He broke the home run record in Atlanta. And as DVC mentioned, he helped carry the team in 1969. And, well, I think I think we might have a guy replacing one of those three guys in a few years from now. He just stole a base alive in tonight's game on TV at the time of this recording. Ronald Acuna Jr., only 23 years old. He's already hit 100 career home runs. He's already had a 30-30 season at the age of 21. The age of 21. I, I don't know how much longer it's going to be, DVC, but he's going to be in the start nine one of these days. Yeah, he will be. And, of course, uh, if, if next year and they do the new contract with the Players Association, if they go with the DH in the National League, uh, then you either put Murph or Hammer and Hank in the DH position and you put Ronald out there in right field. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I, I I believe if he'll stay healthy, he's going to break a heck of a lot of records. If he'll stay healthy and stay committed to the game, uh, which is hard to do with the big contracts they have these days, 
you don't see the guys playing, you know, for the 16, 17, 18 years that some of these guys we just talked about played uh, because they don't, they don't have to. They make so much money. Uh, but if he stays healthy, the sky's the limit for him. He, he is a phenomenal uh, four-tool guy. He can do it all. What I think is uh, kind of ironic about these lineups is that we had Freddie, Chipper, Murph, and Hank had four MVPs in the lineup there. Really should have been a fifth because I always believe I'll go to my dying grave that Andrew Jones should have won the MVP in 2005 over Albert Pujols every day of the week. I'll go to my grave believing that. I also believe Murph should have won the MVP in 1987 over Andre Dawson, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. But nonetheless, he went back to back in 82 and 83, and Hank won his fair share of MVPs as well. So four MVPs in the lineup, not too bad. The only other player that's not in that lineup to win the MVP in Atlanta, I did mention him, would be Terry Pendleton. He won it in 19. 91. So the all-time Atlanta Braves, that's from DVC and I, and DVC, probably the biggest Braves fan outside of myself and my dad. Dad, I know he's been around to see it all since the inception of the Braves there and back at Piedmont University. You got one more year with him there. DVC, you got anything else to say to the, to the listeners of the ATL podcast here? It's going to be a tough year for the Braves, I'm afraid. I'm a big Braves fan, but I, yeah. I think uh, this too many things have gone wrong so far. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they can turn it around. There's still time to turn it around, but they need more pieces. And I don't know if the ownership's going to go out and get those pieces, uh, but it's going to be a tough year. If Soroka can ever get healthy and we can get somebody to replace Ozuna, though, uh, the, the next couple of years, the Braves should be competing for championships. Well, they're definitely in that window, a long way from rebuilding the young pieces that they have. This seems like a bump in the road here this season. But, hey, it's a long season. It's baseball. You never know what you're going to get. It's kind of like that box of chocolates that Forrest Gump talked about. But in a 162-game season, there's a lot that can go wrong and a lot that can go right down the stretch as well. As I mentioned there, was Dr. Dale Van Caffert. I want to thank him so much for coming on here in episode number two he's a man that i knew i had to have on and want to thank you all for listening please if you enjoy this podcast please share it please enjoy watching the braves cheer them on and if you have any suggestions or want to be on the podcast there just please let me know and we will arrange that to happen thank you for listening atl all the lumber for dvc and brett loftus go braves and may god bless you all